This is Carolyn Holly. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Dutch Bros of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. Therapeutic Associates Physical Therapy, your partner in health. Bacon, you gotta love it. And Summer's Funeral Home, every life leaves a legacy. The Eagle and North End 76 stations and on-the-fly service station on Collister and State. McDowell Specialty Repair, Hendrickson's Fine Jewelry. The place to go for that special someone. Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle and Cook Mortgage LLC. Stop by their new location at 512 North 13th Street in Boise, online at sboyle.castlecookmortgage.com. And now, here's your host for Game Plan for Life, Skip Hall. Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Well, today we're going to continue with Joan Endicott. This is part two, and if you happen to miss part one last week, here's what you need to do. Go um, to 941thevoice.com slash game plan for life. You can scroll down and pick up part one with Joan. Let me repeat that. Go to 941thevoice.com slash game plan for life and pick up on part one. Well, we're not going to go through all the introduction we did on the, on part one, but I do want to mention Joan's book. She's got an, a book out, the original book, I Get To. Great message. And uh, you can get a free copy of that by going to joanendicott.com. There's a tab you can click, and it'll direct you. She's also working on a new book, I Get To, Own My Own Worth. And uh, we discussed that in part one as well. So if you missed that, go back, and you can pick up on it there. Now, we've got two important um, topics that we've been talking about. We're going to continue on with the first one, which was I get to stop envy, refuse crippling comparisons. So, Joan, let's pick it up from where we left off last time and uh, some of the uh, encouraging reminders of this truth, and you mentioned a song. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hello again, everybody. I'm glad that you're here, and uh, thank you, Skip, for inviting me to join you again. Uh, These are such big topics when we talk about owning our worth. Um, And by the way, if you get the I Get To book, you will also be on the list to get the excerpt that's going to be coming up for I Get To Own My Worth. And, you know, one thing that God has really used in my life is music and lyrics. And this particular song, I love that Lauren Daigle, uh, who sings it, has gotten so much um, public praise and applause for it, even in the secular world, because it's just so, uh, it just really speaks to our heart. Some of you are familiar with it. It's entitled You Say. And this really sums up so much of what it means to struggle with owning our worth or having those crippling comparisons that keep us from realizing We are created just as God intended and that we shouldn't be uh, comparing or uh, having envy 
because it just keeps us from being all we can be mm-hmm. uh, for in all that he's intended us to be because our focus instead of being on being our best for him and just offering that back to him is on I wish I were different or I'm not enough or um, you know um, any kind of comparison or any kind of envy or jealousy that takes our focus on us showing up for him as he intended is really, um, that is believing the enemy is what that is. We, we're believing the enemy. So the opposite of believing the enemy is believing what God says. And in this song, you say, um, the first is, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. And then the chorus is, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. When I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. Oh, I believe. I believe what you say of me. And in the last one, Skip, I I said, you know, really it comes down to belief. Do I really believe God or am I choosing to believe my feelings? And feelings are opposite of faith. By Mm -hmm. faith, I believe what God says. It is has nothing to do with what we feel. When we get up in the morning and look in the mirror, do we go, oh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? (laughs) Especially those of us women who like who like makeup (laughs) and eyelashes and and things that help us enhance what God gave us. Um, You know, we can just really struggle. And when we talked about social media being such an issue that can really distract us, I, I call it a great distractor because we start questioning our self esteem, our self image, our self worth when we start looking at other people and seeing their highlight reel like Mm, you and I talked about versus the everyday challenges of our life. And we're all, we all struggle. We all have heartache. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think a real key to this is consistency. Yes. And who was the model of consistency? Mm. Why it was Jesus. Mm -hmm. He didn't get too high, he didn't get too low, he just modeled consistency yes. all the way through. And I mm-hmm. think that's a real key factor. Well, in finishing this up, um, on this particular topic, so so what do you do with comparison and envy? Yes, There's some yes. Things you, yeah, you like I, so I mention. give seven points here. Um, first of all is to pray and ask for love, wisdom, and insight. You know, so often we, when we find ourselves talking to ourselves negatively, instead of just stopping ourselves and praying and saying, Lord, I need a divine download right now, <laughs> we just try to reason our way out of it sure. or kind of argue with ourselves. So really it is, you know, and another way I say it is to pause, ponder, and pray. Mm-hmm. The second thing is to read and memorize pertinent scripture to counteract the cultural norm of comparison, which naturally leads to envy. Uh, the third thing is to acknowledge with empathy and self-compassion how you're feeling, just like you would your best friend. 
Like you would say mm-hmm. to your best friend, <clears throat> you know, it sounds like right now you're feeling envious of this or that person because. So you're acknowledging it. You're not trying to submerge it or push it down because that actually has the opposite effect you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then change the word from envy to admire because we never envy someone that we don't admire something about. Mm-hmm. Fifth point is to identify what specifically you admire about them. So let's say it's someone who is in excellent health and you're envious of their energy level. The thing you admire about them is their level of self-discipline in order to be getting that kind of health and that energy. Um, So once you identify that, then, and this can be the hard part, (laughs) then to pray for God's blessing over them. Mm -hmm. And I mean that. Like I... No, it's hard, but it's so effective. When we start praying for somebody, all of our energy, all our emotions, all the good stuff starts coming out instead of the negative stuff. So we can't be both envious and praying blessings over someone at the same time, which is great. We can't have two competing thoughts. They they can't be roommates. (laughs) Exactly. One pushes the other one out. So that's the great news is how God designed us. We can't be embracing faith and fear at the same time. We can't, those negative emotions can't coexist with the Mm -hmm. positive ones. So that's such a blessing on how God designed us and created us. And then we ask the Lord to help us grow in that area as well. So whatever we've identified about the area we admire about them, so if it's self-discipline because they have a high level of energy or health, we say, Lord, help me to grow in that way as Mm -hmm. well. And then to top it off for bonus points, you send them a message and let them know what you admire about them and thank them for their example. Mm. And it's amazing how that just really changes um, your perspective, your energy, your emotion towards them. Absolutely. And, you know, the reality is we are stewards of the temple, talents, and time God's given us. Mm -hmm. We're not owners. And our only hope for living a joyful, happy, meaningful, and peace-filled life is when we lose ourselves in whose we are and believe his word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's such good stuff. So important. And and so, uh, Joan, um, we're going to switch now to the second topic, and and, uh, which is I get to practice self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And uh, why don't you start us off today with uh, how you got into this? Yeah, that's so. And and it's just they they flow into each other. Both will be both will be in my new book uh, on owning your worth. Um, so I, I shared last time about a client who had just been so excited about our call on the one hand, but then just started talking about all the ways she had failed herself. And then when I had her turn the tables and said, if you were the coach and I was the client, what would you say to me if I said the same things you did about, I must be, I just must be lazy. I must be, you know, I'm just not able to do this the way I'm supposed to and all these negative things. And she said, oh, I would, I would say, well, you need to be, you know, you need to give yourself a break and you need to see all the things you have done. And as I saw for myself years ago, how, and, and just the, the phrase self-compassion, it intrigued me because I'm really compassionate to other people. Yeah. But when it comes to myself, I really struggled with yeah. that whole idea. 
And I found myself being judgmental and critical of myself and thinking, well, why aren't you further along in this area? Mm. Why haven't you succeeded more in this area? Have you ever felt like that, Skip? Sure. We can be easy on others mm-hmm. and really tough on ourselves. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the idea of this is when we look at when we start looking at ourselves and speaking to ourselves the way we would to a loved one, like and and that's helped me. Here's a tool that I've used in this process that has really helped me and helped my coaching clients. When I'm lying in bed going to sleep, it is not a time for critical input or evaluating the day in any way other than looking at the wins. Mm-hmm. What are my wins for the day? I have myself talk about three, at least three, and usually I can go into more than that, three wins. Mm-hmm. But it's never about evaluating from a critical point, what didn't you do? Why didn't you do this? How come, you know, or you kind of blew this right. or whatever? I now don't allow myself to do that. And what I've discovered as I've shared this with clients is most people like I used to do, they evaluate from a negative perspective their day. What they didn't accomplish or they didn't do this well enough, they don't look at it from the wins that they've done. And it's amazing. This one thing makes a huge shift in our energy and in our ability to sleep. We're not going to sleep well if we start dumping, you know, the negative thoughts into our brain and into our heart we wouldn't do that to our children or our grandchildren. We wouldn't sit on the edge of their bed and go, no. so why didn't you do this better yeah. today? Unload the dump truck. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, no, doesn't work. No. Nope. <laughs> I mean, it, that's one reason we have, you know, over-the-counter, uh, one of the top over-the-counter drugs, if you will, is antacids. Yeah. There's so much stress, stress. anxiousness. Mm-hmm depression. And when I'm talking about that, I'm not talking clinical, uh, you know, obviously. And and if you are experiencing that, please, please reach out and get help because we all struggle with that. Antidepressants. It's amazing how many people are are on antidepressants. It's a number one issue. And I'm not saying anything, you know, negative about that, but I know there's other, exactly. And there's other things I know because I've been in that place. And for me, especially for you ladies, if you're you know, going through things that you just go, I don't feel like myself, please go get blood tests. Go get, or men too, but go get your hormones checked. Uh, I think that's something that's not talked about as much as it should be. Mm-hmm. And I think back on my mom and the struggles that she had before she died. She was only 46 when she died from Lou Gehrig's disease. But when I look back, at the emotional struggle she had, not just from, I mean, it's hard enough looking at that kind of a horrific disease, but I think she probably had some major hormone imbalances. And back then it wasn't even, that wasn't even in our vocabulary. And we didn't talk about that kind of thing. So my encouragement to you is whatever you're feeling, if, you, if you're feeling like, I just feel like I don't feel right. Mm-hmm. I don't feel, uh, I feel like I have this weight or I feel like I'm struggling too much with something. Please reach out for help. Right. Please get help. Because if we stay too long in those places, 
you know, just like George Bailey. It gets darker it, and darker. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. And and we have nothing. We, we God created us for community. He did not create us to do this on our own. Yeah. And so when we're struggling with some something, we need to be able to reach out and share it with somebody that we know is a safe place. Um, because uh, if we share it with the wrong person, that can have actually the ne- the opposite effect yeah. that we want. But, you know, George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, that's one of my favorite movies. And that's just a great example of how discouragement can take us to the bridge. When George Bailey was on that bridge, that snowy yep. night in Bedford Falls, and he was contemplating taking his own life, wishing he'd never been born, they used the word discouraged when they said, is he sick? And then the other one says, no worse, he's discouraged. Mm-hmm. And so you think about sometimes when, we, when we'll when we say, oh, they're discouraged, we don't think about it like, well, it's not cancer, right. well, it's not a disease, but that can drive us to the bridge. Yeah. And we need to be more sensitive to each other in um, really helping somebody unpack yeah. What does that mean? Like, how are you feeling? Yeah. What, like, what are the thoughts you're having? Sure, sure. And um, and be quick to go to someone who can help yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Well, in Satan's quiver of arrows, he has one yes. marked discouragement. Amen. And and those get shot at us, and and he would like nothing better than to find us discouraged, disillusioned. Well, woe is me. I'm yes. no good. I mean, that's that. We really need to get over that and out of that. And, yeah. Uh, so uh, we've got about ten minutes, a little less than ten minutes, maybe three minutes per step here. But you had three specific steps that you guided this lady through. Yeah. In the process. So let's start off with with step one. Absolutely. Objective perspective. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first thing I had her do. Is I took her through, I guided her through an objective perspective. If the tables were turned, if this were your daughter, if this were your best friend, and they had just experienced what you did in the last two weeks, what would you say to them? How would you, know, how would you respond if they say, how didn't I get more done? How am I not further along than this? I feel so frustrated. I guess I'm just lazy. What would you say to her? And she quickly responded, well, I'd tell her she needed to be more patient and not so harsh with herself. And we both just burst out laughing because that was the opposite of what she was saying to herself. Um, and then I added, you're so quick to offer compassion and empathy to others, to family, friends, even employees you're leading, but not for yourself. Mm-hmm. And she said so quickly, I know, Joan, I, it's so easy for me when I see it about others. I, it's so clear when it involves someone else. I guess I just expect more from myself than others. Yeah. And she, and I said, why do you think that is? She said, I don't know. I just feel like I'm never happy with what I've done because there's always more I could do. And she then she also said, clearly, I've never understood what it meant to be loving and compassionate to myself, much less begin practicing it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. then she said, so that's something we get to work together on, right, coach? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was step one of what I did. Mm-hmm. And then step two is to ask yourself when you're when you're hearing these negative thoughts when you're hearing these criticisms either from yourself or from external forces ask yourself is that really true 
So the second step in reviewing what she said about herself was simply asking, is what you're saying right now about yourself, is that really true? And, um, you know, our words, our, our thoughts program the words we say. And so I, you know, I re- referenced the, the proverb uh, 23, 7, where it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking about you yeah. in your heart? Yeah. Um, a great TED Talk for you all to check out is by Kristen Neff. And she just... Uh, Google uh, self-compassion TED Talk by Kristen Neff, any Dr. Kristen Neff, any FF, and this is the quote she gave on self-compassion, like really what it is, kind of drilling down to it. She says, "With self-compassion, we give ourselves the same kindness and care we'd give to a good friend. In contrast to self-esteem, self-compassion is not based on self-evaluations. People feel compassion for themselves because." All human beings deserve compassion and understanding, not because they possess some particular set of traits, like being pretty, smart, talented, and so on. She goes on to say, self-compassion is very strong related, strongly related to mental well-being. It's strongly related to less depression, less anxiety, less stress, and less perfectionism, which is a huge thing yeah. for all my clients. And it, and it has been for me too, that perfectionistic bug that mm-hmm. just will eat away. And so I want to encourage you, just think about progress, not perfection. Like in your mind, when you think about, oh, that's not good enough, I want you to ask yourself, did I progress? Not was it perfect, but am I progressing? Um, so she also says it's equally related to positive states like happiness, life satisfaction, greater motivation, greater self-responsibility, making healthier lifestyle choices. It's also linked to having more sense of connectedness mm-hmm. and with others and better interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that they have proven. Self-compassion is so grounding for our spiritual, mental, emotional, physical wellness that it's, it's, it's just fascinating. As I've researched, read, listened to people who've really researched it, um, it's just, it's just so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such good stuff. Well, we've got one more step, step number three. Yes. Um, So attack the situation, not yourself. It's crucial to make the clear distinction between attacking problems, not people, and situations, not yourself. A simple effective tool is to start with, I'm feeling. So instead of saying, I am this or I am that, just start by saying, I'm feeling this way. That's a, that's a huge distinguisher because then you're not attacking yourself. And I also love how Brene Brown, she's a researcher uh, on shame. And uh, she says, as soon as she says that on, air, on an airplane, when people say, what do you do? She says, I research shame. She goes, the conversation <laughs> ends right there, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But she makes the distinction between guilt and shame. Guilt is saying, I did something wrong Shame is saying, I am something yeah. wrong. That's such a powerful perspective. Yeah. And it makes all the difference in how we look at ourselves with love or if we look at ourselves with condemnation. And it's interesting because scripture, you know, God says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is the assumption there? 
the assumption there is that we're loving ourselves appropriately as God's creation, as God's designed, you know, completely designed the way he wanted us to be. So we're assuming, he's assuming we're loving ourselves, but so often we're not. And self-compassion to me is a way that we show love to ourselves the way mm-hmm. he intended. So um, Brene also says, shame is the most powerful master emotion. It's the fear that we're not good enough. Wow, that's that's pretty powerful. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, just one other thought on what she says. She says, if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy, empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. So the way I, I use this object lesson, I put like an Alka-Seltzer or some kind of tablet in water that, and, and I see, okay, so here is shame, but when in the environment of empathy, mm-hmm. it dissolves it. Mm-hmm. So it's that's why it's so important to share with the right people what you're needing to process. Yep. Don't share it with the wrong person because she reemphasizes how if you share it with the wrong person, it actually can have the opposite effect you want. Uh, her quote here says, if we share our shame story with the wrong person, they can easily become, uh, that can easily become one more piece of flying debris in an already dangerous storm. Mm. So, um, you know, the Bible is full of scriptures that talk about God's compassion towards us and how we should have compassion towards others. Colossians 3, 2 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Mm. Wow. Well, this is such powerful stuff, Joan. And and, uh, once again, we've a two-part session with Joan Endicott. And uh, if you didn't hear part one, you can go to 941thevoice.com slash game plan for life. Scroll down to part one. And uh, this has been so good, Joan, and just really appreciate mm-hmm. you coming in and, and how you're uh, encouraging people and coaching people. And if, if someone is interested in learning more about Joan, go to her website, joanendicott.com. Remember, you can get the free book I get to, and she's coming out with another one. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a good site to visit for sure. So <laughs> once again, Joan, thank you for all you do. Thank you for being a guest on Game Plan for Life. My pleasure. God bless. You too. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Hollingshead Eye Center, see the difference experience makes. For more information, 208-336-8700. Christian Brothers Automotive. Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Domino's, oh yes we did. Rocket Express Car Wash, it's a blast. Diamond Heating and Cooling, Boise Prostodontics, and Hoffman Auto Body. Hoffman Auto Body, someone you can trust. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the game plan for life. Have a great weekend. And remember, no game plan, no victory.